Lord, we just uh, we thank you for what you are doing here today. Pray for your spirit of revelation, your spirit of teaching, your spirit of understanding to just reign in this place, Lord. Ready our hearts, ready our minds to receive of your word, to grow more into your likeness. Not just for our sake, but for the kingdom's sake. And also for our sake. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our Heroes of Faith series. If you turn to 2 Kings, that's where we're going to be coming out of today. Uh, And uh, so last week we studied Elijah. This week we're going to study Elisha. Right? This is where things get confusing. Elijah and Elisha. Uh, So... They are two different people. Really, there is the, uh, the, the teacher and the pupil, or the student, if you will. Elijah is the teacher of the prophetic school. Elisha is going to be his student for a little bit. Uh, Elijah, interesting enough, uh, is one of two people in the Bible that saw not death. Right? Enoch walked with God and then was no longer. Elijah was taken up to heaven in, in, in a, uh, a chariot of fire. Okay? Whew. Uh, and Elisha saw it. And so Elisha is Elijah's student. And what's happening here is <clears throat> when Elijah goes into heaven, if you will, by, well, into heaven via the chariot, uh, Elisha is going to take on the anointing and the mantle and the calling of the prophet Elijah. Um, but it's going to be a little bit of a, a, little bit of a difference. Uh, Elijah is an amazing, amazing uh, prophet. Uh, he is considered one of what we call the miracle prophets, meaning he was a prophet that just didn't just speak forth prophetic words, but it was accompanied by amazing miracles. Uh, there are eight miracles that are attributed to the life of Elijah, one of them we discussed, right? The closing up of the heavens so it would not rain, right? But another miracle, and it rained again, but another really powerful uh, one is that he actually uh, raised, by the Spirit of God, raised a uh, young child uh, from the dead. Now, Elisha, it says through the prophet that uh, Elijah, it says that Elisha will have a double portion of the mantle, which just really means the anointing, the calling, the ministry that Elijah had. So Elisha is known in theological circles as the miracle prophet because he has a double portion. Elijah has eight miracles. Elisha has 16 miracles that take place. Okay, And one of those miracles, once again, is the raising of a child from the dead. It's an interesting theme here, life from the dead. Okay, So we're going to discuss Elisha. We're not going to get too deep into his story because I really want to use some of the things that we learn really right from the get-go from Elisha uh, to relate to our life today. Because there's just so much, right? So instead of giving you a summary of Elisha's life, I want to zone in on 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, right? <clears throat> oh, I'm in 1 Kings. What am I doing here? 2 Kings chapter 2. Um, and we will begin paper here. Here we go. Uh, let's begin in verse 13. Second Kings chapter 2, 
verse 13. He also took up the mantle of Elijah. So he being Elisha. So Elisha took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. It actually was a cloth that would be put on your shoulders. Um, quite possibly a talit. That had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle, the banner, the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is, hmm, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over the river Jordan. Amen. So we can go to our uh, first slide here. Uh, I want to talk today uh, about a, this question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Today, in the 21st century, in Bristol, Pennsylvania, where is the Lord God of Elijah that performed signs, wonders, and miracles? He is right here. But Elijah has the anointing on it, but he calls forth God, the same God, the same spirit that was living and residing over Elijah. I want to see the manifestation of that. So he can walk out in that anointing, that calling, and the miracles that Elijah did. And so where is the Lord God of Elijah? So this question, everyone said, yeah, he's right here. I agree with you. But do we see the same level of signs, wonders, and miracles? Anyone here pray for someone that was dead and they were raised up into life? Anyone? Not lately? Okay. Now, I know there's plenty of us, including myself, who have stood by hospital beds and were praying that life would be restored. But the spirit and the living God, the God of Elijah, the God of Elisha, they prayed and people got up. They touched the water of Jordan and the river Jordan opened up. So we say that the Lord God of Elijah, of course, is in our midst and of course is inside of us. I agree with you. But the manifestation of the same type of revelation and action, I don't see. You get what I'm saying? All right, okay, cool. So, if we go to the next slide, this hopefully will make a little bit more sense. Um, what are you allowed, allowed to have hope and faith for in your life? We think about things that we're standing in faith for, things that we're standing in hope for. What are you allowed to hope for? What are you allowed to dream about? What are you allowed to have faith in? Now, obviously, we have faith in God, but faith as in the substance, like the effect, like what you're able to see. So some of us are like, oh, I have faith for a new job. I have faith for a house. I have faith for healing. It's all awesome stuff, right? But we, we, in a sense, what we learn from Elisha is that what did he believe he was allowed, that he had permission to hope and have faith for? Does anyone recall? The double portion of the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Elijah had. So what I'm trying to get at here is we need to stop sometimes and take a moment and say, all right, as a son or daughter of the living God, 
who came down to give me life eternal, life abundantly, who gave me the Spirit of God, what am I allowed to hope for and have faith for in my life? It's weird, but a lot of us do not see things that we are promised because we still haven't gotten over the hump that you're allowed to have it. We have to allow our spiritual beings to say, you know what? I'm allowed to believe in hope and faith for things because I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God. If we cannot get to that place of even allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission to be able to walk in that, because we say, oh, we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, those things were for 2,000 years ago, man, you're not going to see the God, Lord God of Elijah in your midst. (laughs) Elijah believed that he could have the double mantle, the double portion. He's like, no, I'm allowed to have this. He he had an understanding of his identity, his revelation before a holy God. He allowed himself to dream it. He allowed himself to have hope in it. And he allowed himself to have the faith that when he hit the water, it would split open and he would walk out in signs, wonders, and miracles. Not for uplifting of himself, but for the glory of the Lord to be revealed unto all of Israel. So, let's get into this a little bit. We go to the next slide here. We have the difference between hope and faith. So hope says God can, and faith says God will. Right? I hope I get better. It's an expectation of what is to come. Oh, someone is sick, someone's going through a hard time. Well, we are hope in and praying. When you hope, It's a good thing. But it's something that could happen, that can happen. Faith is something different. Faith is saying it's going to happen immediately. It's going to happen now. Hope is something in the future, a future expectation. While faith says, no, access to it right now. Hope is, I am believing that this person is going to be healed, and I'm hoping and praying for that. Faith is, get on up. So there's a difference. Now, we do have some things that we have hope for that are absolutely going to happen. For example, there's a theological term called the blessed hope. The blessed hope is that, it's a term that refers to the coming of the Lord and the resurrection of the saints. It's known as the blessed hope. It's something that's going to happen in the future. Like, I don't have faith that right now the dead are going to be raised from the graves outside and the Lord is going to descend from the clouds. It's not something that I believe is going to happen right now because there's a timetable to things. But I have a hope and a revelation and a truth that it will happen one day in his timing, right? So this is kind of the difference between the two. But defined, actually... Hope is not just a future expectation, and faith is not just something that happens now. Hope is a joyful expectation. It comes with an emotion. It will be happening. And there's a joy that is there, because you know God can. All right, we can go to uh, the next slide. There's interesting quotes here. I, I thought were very interesting. 
Uh, the first one, which you can read a little better. There are too many people who have faith, but don't understand why they are so sad and depressed. A lot of times it's because they don't have any hope to inspire and activate that faith. I don't know, I've come across people that were like these God-fearing, Bible-believing faith masters. Like, I believe this and it will happen. But there was no joy in their life. They were stern. They were angry. They were judgmental. You're like, oh. Anyone ever come in contact with, with someone like that? Yes. Yeah, okay. So some of you yes. know what I'm talking about. Those are people that have a tremendous amount of faith that the Lord will do something, but they lost the understanding of a joyful expectation of God will do it because he's so loving, he's so joyous, he's so awesome. To walk out as a disciple, a son or daughter of the Most High God, you need to have hope. Hope brings the joy that God can and it's only him, which will produce and mature into faith. If you're just someone that believes in faith, faith, like this is going to happen, like name it, claim it, name it, claim it, or this is going to happen. And there's no hope. Oh, you're not going to have any power in it. You're probably going to be pretty miserable. The opposite is true. On the other hand, I've also met people who were sad and depressed because they hoped for many things, but had faith for none. You know, this, I think this is probably a lot of the church in general. Like, I know God loves me. I know God is going to give me blessings. I know God is going to make my life better. I know God is going to one day possibly kind of sort of heal me. I know one day God or something is going to kind of, you know, if, I know he wants to and I'm hoping and believing that he's going to save my husband or my mom or my kid or this, you know what I'm saying? Like someone who is hoping that it's going to happen. But it can produce some level of sadness. Because they never see the hope mature into the flower of faith. Never see it happen. And they're just hoping, hoping, hoping. Now, as sons and daughters, we are to hope, but we are also to have faith. But you have to give yourself the allowance and the permission that you are allowed to walk in that type of hope, joy, future expectation, but also faith that it will happen. You have to give yourself Permission. I can't, I can't like say this enough. There's so many of you that I've talked to who believe that you are not worthy to see resurrection power in your life. You have to say, I'm allowed because I am worthy because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. He has made me worthy to be able to see the manifestation of these things in our lives. Amen. So we got to just say, you're allowed. You're allowed to believe it. All right, we go to the next slide. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Very common scripture to a lot at weddings. The reason why I'm bringing this up is, look, it's not that faith is more important than hope. And it's not that hope is more important than faith. In fact, love is the most important of all things. Now, a lot of us are like, oh, you know, you got to have faith, faith, faith. Yes, but you also are to have love. And you're also supposed to have hope, 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 hope. Because if you just have faith, 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 and no joyful expectation, you're not going to be walking and moving in the spirit of revelation and power like the Lord has destined for us. So it's weird. There is something called faith, and there's also something called hope. And faith is not more important than hope. 
Because the only way you're going to get faith is through the vehicle of hope. And the only way you're going to have hope is through the vehicle of love. The revelation of love will produce the hope. And the revelation of walking out of hope should produce the faith. So it's kind of like the triunity of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, right? They're all working together but also independent. Faith, hope, and love are independent but also dependent. You get what I'm saying? Hebrews 11 is probably one of the most popular ones, right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, what we see right here uh, is the fact of the matter that faith is the result of hope. We have hopeful expectation which produces the faith. But faith is a substance. What is a substance? If we had to define a substance, a very, like, very general, broad word, what is a substance? Something that you can, it's like a, right, something that you can touch, feel, see. It is something physical. Hope is supposed to produce a level of faith where you're going to see the things. Right? Faith is something physical. I'm hoping and believing for someone's salvation, but the faith of salvation is seeing it happen. Okay? Okay. Let me take a step back here. There's a lot of meat. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I'm convicted that an Old Testament person who had sin was not reborn did not have the Spirit of God living inside of him. Was able to walk out in the miraculous. That should be contrary to like almost any typical Christian theology. Oh, the Old Testament, blah, blah, blah. Come on, the Old Testament prophets were walking out with more power and more revelation than people who are supposed to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God, redeemed, sanctified, no sin at all, and the Spirit of God physically being inside of us. So I'm convicted. Like when I get to heaven, I'm be like, yo, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Isaiah, all these people like, you guys were walking in this type of level of revelation and, and evidence. And Jesus didn't even come. Come on, right? There's got to be a conviction here. And, and part of this is coming from uh, last Sunday. My wife and I uh, went to a funeral. Uh, funeral of my, one of my wife's best friend's grandmother. You can see how tight they are if they're going to the grandmother's funeral. The grandmother was 100 years old. Her name was Bubby Beck. Bubby is a Yiddish word for, or Jewish German word for uh, grandmother. Okay? The family's, uh, the mother's side is, is Jewish. The, the father's side is uh, kind of Catholic, but it seemed like he actually... Um, converted to Judaism, I believe. We're sitting there, and they're giving eulogies, and they're, you know, the rabbi's up there, and he's giving things from the Bible and the Psalms. Very beautiful. Uh, and then um, my, my wife's friend went up and gave her eulogy, and she was talking about, like, oh, well, my daughter's asking, where is Bubby Beck? And I say, up in the sky. But is that really true? Is she really there? How is anyone supposed to know? And it was, like, a little, like, negative. In a, in a way. 
or really no way for those that are redeemed, right? Like, what? And so, you know, my wife and I, we've talked, right? You know, throughout the years, uh, she has tried to share the gospel and has shared the gospel with her and the family, uh, but they're not receptive. They're kind of someone who's like, well, you know, you know, if you're a good person, there's something out there. Everyone calls it something different. How is anyone supposed to know? I mean, this family makes most believing families, we should be ashamed because of the way that they live their life. They are so good to people. They are so loving to people. They are so gentle. They have so much peace and love. They'll give you the shirt off their back. Go the, the, the hundredth mile for you. You look at their lives, you're like, wow. I mean, they are living good lives. But we know that's not enough. And so we were talking, and it was like, man, like, so how do you share the gospel with a Jewish family? But then how do you share your family? How do you share your, the gospel salvation with everything? With someone who is so good and, and is doing all these kind of things and, and just believes that there's some kind of God out there and we just all call him something different. You guys ever been in a situation like that? Yes. And I, you know, we were talking in the car and I was like, man, what would the apostles do? What would the disciples do? What would Elijah do? What would Elisha do? Well, we know exactly what they would do. Acts chapter 3, verse 6, when I go there, but this is Paul. Paul goes to someone who is lame, cannot walk. And the beggar asks him for gold and silver. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I freely give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. How do you share the gospel with a family that is good, good-natured, has peace in their life? You have to, and we have to, walk out in the power and authority of the Lord God of Elijah. Amen. Signs, wonders, miracles. If I go to that family... And I said, well, she's 100 years old. Heaven's probably the right place for her at this point. But I noticed that you broke your arm. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And it's healed. There can be no refuting that. None. You get what I'm saying? Now, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We can say, where is, I know he's here, get what I'm saying here, I'm saying the manifestation of what he was doing. Where is the Lord God of Moses that split the Red Sea in today's life, in today's day and age? He's sitting here waiting for us to petition him and walk out in the revelation of this. It's not that he is anywhere, he's right here like, come on guys, tap into this. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elisha? Where is the Lord God of Moses? Where is the Lord God of Daniel that went into the lion's den? Come on now. Where is the Lord God of Peter and Paul and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John? 
for crying out loud, I would even take the, where is the Lord God of Smith Wigglesworth? Where is the Lord God of John Wesley who brought, brought, brought a revival to planet Earth? Where is the Lord God of George Whitfield who brought revival to the United States? Where is the Lord God of Heidi Baker who sees people being raised from the dead like every week in Africa? Where is the Lord God of Todd White who's an American who goes around when he's in the airport, he goes up to people and he hugs them and loves them and prays for them to be healed. He's got about an 80% success rate. Where's the Lord God? Likened unto the God that Bill Johnson serves in Northern California for a period of time, 15 mile radius around the church, there was no cancer. 15 miles around the church, there was not one example or existence of cancer. Because they prayed in the revelation of healing and power and identity. Woo! Come on now. Malachi chapter 4. Verse 5. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in, the, in Horeb for all Israel. With the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, Eliyahu, the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The message of prophecy is that <clears throat> Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah is going to return to planet earth because he never, he never died. He's chilling up in heaven. In fact, he came back. He came back. He came back in the transfiguration of Jesus at, at more, uh, Mount Horeb, right? Uh, he's there. Uh, is it Mount Horeb? Uh, Tabor, I think. Uh, he's there and Moses and Elijah shows up. So Jewish people all over planet earth, especially during Passover, they're believing that Elijah is literally going to come back to earth. And announce the coming of the Messiah. This is when John the Baptist comes onto the scene. And people are like, are you, are you, the, are you the Messiah? Are you, are, are you Elijah the prophet? And Jesus has to step in and says, John the Baptist is Elijah the prophet if you're willing to accept him. So, what we have here is John the Baptist was the spirit of announcement of the coming of Messiah. But he also was announcing not just that Jesus was coming, but he's also the, uh, announcing the anointing of the miraculous that took place during Elijah and Elisha's death. So when we have access to the Lord, we have access to the answer to that question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? So the Bible, the words of, of the Spirit of God tells us and gives us permission to have hope and faith for lots of things, man. Lots of things. But we do not see it because it very well could be because we're not walking out that hope and faith. I have hope and I'm believing that it's going to be moved into faith for miraculous things. What does the Bible say that we're allowed to have hope and faith in? Because that was the question. What are we allowed to have hope and faith in? Well, that have hope and faith for repentance by us, our loved ones. It says you and your household shall be saved. What are you allowed? According to scripture, I have hope and faith for. Salvation of your family. Salvation of your neighborhood. Salvation of your community. Salvation of your nation. 
Those who humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. You are allowed to walk in that type of revelation and hope and belief and faith. But you got to give yourself the permission. I am believing in hope and faith for repentance, for salvation, for restoration in families. I am allowed to believe in hope and faith for the kingdom of God and of heaven to come to earth. The Lord's prayer. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I'm believing for. And I've got to have faith in that the kingdom will come. What is that kingdom? It's not just a new heavens and a new earth. It's no more sickness. No more cancer. In my sphere of influence by the Spirit. No more turning away. No more broken families. No more depression. No more anxiety. No more greed. No more lust. No more temptations. The scriptures say I am not just supposed to believe and have faith, but I'm supposed to be having it in my life. Signs and wonders. You're allowed. Signs. Miraculous things that happen that point people to the gospel. Wonders and signs. Healings. Words of knowledge. Resurrection from the dead. No, I'm getting a little Pentecostal here. Come on, we got to be reminded of this stuff. Yeah. Got to be reminded of it. That's right. Because how do I go to a family that says, I believe in Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm allowed a piece of my life. And they're like, yeah, well, I, I serve Buddha. And, you know, I, I kind of have the same thing in my life. How are you going to walk in the kingdom with people? Hmm. Convince them with words? Come on now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of words but a matter of power. Paul the Apostle. You want to reason someone to faith? Good luck. Why is there not revival in the droves and thousands of people? Peter talked about a thousand one time, ten thousand others are saved. It's because their words were necessarily so eloquent. It's because the kingdom of God is not by words. It's by the manifestation of power. Power to set people free. Power of resurrection, power of signs, wonders, miracles. Unbelievable stuff. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We have the worship team come on down. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hi, Caitlin. That's my sister. She said she's going to be listening to this on the beach when it comes up. So I just want to say hello to you as we turn to First Corinthians. I love you. This is now etched in eternity on the internet. I love you too, Melissa. Hope you listen to this. Hallelujah. Signs, wonders, restoration, redemption, reconciliation. We are allowed to have hope. We're allowed to have faith. Amen. Not just allowed, but we're supposed to. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. <laughs> Woo! 
Paul the Apostle, Rabbi Shaul, says, And my speech and my preaching to you, Corinth, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is Paul saying to the church in Corinth, I came to you with not persuasive, elegant words to reason you to faith. I'm not actually a good speaker, Paul says later, but I came with power. Amen. Power on high to set captives free, to raise the dead, to see people be healed. You see, in the 21st century, the 20th century, the 19th century, the 18th century, only going back to probably like the 5th or 4th century, we have actually reversed this verse. Don't you know that I come before you with powerful, persuasive, eloquent, theological, collegiate terms and understanding of philosophy, but not with power? We have taken this verse and we have completely flipped it around. I have no power in the Holy Ghost, but I went to college and I studied seminary and I know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all this kind of stuff. And let me come to you with eloquent words to try to reason you back to faith. And then we ask, we wonder, where is the Lord God of signs, wonders, and miracles? The word says, I cannot speak well. I do not know. I, I am a basic fisherman. Peter was. Paul was really intelligent. But, but I couldn't do all these things. But I walked in the power of the Spirit of God. Give me someone from the third world that is completely illiterate, who can't read the Bible, but walks in the power of the revelation of love, hope, and faith, opposed to someone from Yale Divinity School. But we reverse it. Let us be a people who say, I do not come to you with elegant words to try to rationalize you and your family to faith. Because there's so many things you can say about it and this, that, and the other thing. But one thing that you cannot rationalize or understand is gold, silver, college degrees, and money I have not. But get up and walk. Woo! Revival power and authority. It is not something that we are supposed to just hope for, but it's something that we are supposed to be doing as sons and daughters. Not something to be wishy-washy and hopeful for one day. It is something that is supposed to actually follow us. Mark chapter 16. Signs and wonders will follow those who believe in me. It's supposed to be like, oh, what is a believer? Oh, it's one of those people that believe in Jesus and everything that they pray for with people and healings. Like, it, they, it's always happening. I, that's what it means. To be a little Messiah, to be a little Christ, is to walk in His authority and anointing, eh? How do we do it? Romans chapter, it's all in the Bible, Romans chapter 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We're going to wrap ourselves in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. I have no faith for this, Lord, in my life. Well, access the Word of God. I'm going through financial problems. Ah, well, the Word says that you shall never want or lack. For He's going to provide for all of your 
needs in Christ Jesus. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta speak it. You gotta listen. Give yourself permission to believe. Yeah, but you know, going through a sickness, I'm going through a terminal disease, I'm going through. Yeah, yeah, wrap yourself in the word of God. Right. Psalm 103, He's bore all of your iniquities, He's borne all of your healings, taken away all of your sickness. Peter chapter 2, verse 24. If you don't believe it, New Testament example. Peter says, You were healed in Him. Says, People that are sick, you were healed. He doesn't say, you were working out the process of healing. You were. Past tense. It already happened. We wrap ourselves with the realities of the, of the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews chapter 11. It is something that we really actually see tangibly. Evidence of our hope is the faith of what we see. We go to the next slide. We'll be finishing up real soon. Uh, next slide, I'm sorry. So how do we do it? Wrap yourself in God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing of the very word of God. You gotta, you gotta get with him. You gotta spend time with him. You gotta read. You gotta meditate. You gotta sing praises. You gotta tap into the wealth of the things that bring forth hope and faith. It's the only way. Two. You have to literally speak to yourself and give yourself the permission to believe and hope and have faith. You have to be like, I, I know my parents said I wasn't worthy. I know my friends say I'm not, I'm not worthy. I know in my head I've been thinking like this because of the way my life has been and what I do. You need to take all those thoughts and say no. I know this is what I am thinking about myself, but what does Jesus think about me? You're a son, you're a daughter. You're the one who brings the kingdom to earth. He's not here, man. He's sitting on the right-hand throne of the Father. The only thing that's here is the Holy Spirit in us. And he gave it to us to get it out to people. It's one of the reasons why you were saved. Not just so you can say to have eternal life, but you were saved so you can go out in the authority and anointing of the kingdom and the, and the, and the blood and, and, the, and the, I'm sorry, and the power of the resurrection to other people. You are, you are, you are a son. You are a daughter. You have access to all spiritual blessings in Messiah. You have to give yourself the permission. When Satan comes in to start talking to you. Look, if we only have hope, I know we're Bristol Hope Assembly. Hope is good. Hope is powerful. Hope is needed to bring forth faith. But if we only have hope in our life, I hope I'm going to be better. I hope I'm going to get the job. I hope one day that my family will be safe. If you only have hope, you are already defeated you're defeated by faith I am saved not by hope by faith I am saved by faith I see people get up out of their wheelchairs not by hope so we need to take hope and the joyful expectation 
And we need to come alongside the Lord and alongside of His Word. And we have to adopt our, our identity and give ourselves permission and watch that hope be matured and excelled into faith. Always, always, always being grounded in love. But if we just walk around with hope, hope never sees the manifestation. Faith does. If you only have faith with no hope, you will have no joy and you will live a defeated life. If you have only hope and not faith, you are defeated already, I guess, actually. So if you have faith with no hope, you will have no joy. But if you only have hope and no faith, you are living a defeated life already. So the hope must mature into faith. And last, to kind of seal this all together, our last slide, or our second last slide. A lot of this should come to you through the mystery of an ancient word. It's an ancient Hebrew word that you guys say multiple, multiple times a day. Amen. Amen. Next slide. Amen. In Hebrew is Omen comes from the word amunah. Amunah is faith. When we say our prayers and when we have the audacity to say amen, you are using an ancient Hebrew word which you may have no understanding or revelation is. You just say it at the end of a prayer. When you're saying amen, you are sealing the prayer in faith. Everything I just said, Lord, to you, amen. It will be done. So when we're praying, be careful when you say amen, man. Because when you say amen, you're saying by faith it will happen. Not by I hope it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Lord, bless me this day with this food. Let this food be nourishing unto me. Bless the food. Amen. It's done. Lord. Girl in the wheelchair, it's time to get on up and rise up. Amen. In faith. Take the pressure off yourself. It's not us, it's him. It's not us, it's him. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm praying right now. I'm praying right now. That those of us who do not have hope, you don't have hope. You don't have the joy of the expectation of what God is going to do. I just want to invite you to come on down and we're going to pray for you. When I mean we, I mean any person here who wants to stay here and pray for people, come on down and go next to someone and pray for someone. Okay? It's not like all the prayer teams coming up. If you have a heart and belief of faith that if I pray for person X and I pray for them to come out of their destruction and depression and to move into hope, you are a son, a daughter, you have permission to do that. And those of us who do not have faith yet, we have hope, we have a joyful expectation, but we don't have the faith yet to see certain things in our lives. You come on down. And maybe you pray for the person that doesn't have hope. 
You have hope but not faith. So you pray for the person that doesn't have hope yet. And then when you're done with that, then people that have some faith for things will stand and say, all right, let your hope inside of you be matured into faith. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In Him, in Jesus, also we have obtained an inheritance, a promise. We've been bequeathed something. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to be the praise of His glory. We are to be the praise of His glory on earth. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Sealed. Finalized. Direct express mail to the heavenly realm. Sealed stamp of approval in the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is He who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. I can have faith for resurrection power, for salvation of family, for redemption of family, for reconciliation of neighborhoods, for people getting out of wheelchairs, for all of that. Because I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. As it says in Ephesians, I was sealed in the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantor to the inheritance? And my inheritance says that signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. My inheritance says, Talitha Kumi, little one, get on up and arise. Oh, my the inheritance says, Oh, that we get to lay our hands on people and see them heal. My inheritance says I can intercede for family members and see them repent before you. My inheritance that has been guaranteed by the Holy Ghost says that I can walk out in the authority and power of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Let us have the love, Lord. Let us be molded into the hope of glory. The Lord, let us have the faith. The faith. The Amen. In Jesus' name. Guaranteed by the Spirit of God. Amen. I believe there are refreshments downstairs, but if you want, if you're in a place where you just don't have the hope yet, come on down. We, collectively, all of us are going to pray for you. If you have hope, but it hasn't been molded into faith yet, come on down. If you want some prayer, we're going to pray for you to be molded into more faith. So, whatever you would like. Have a wonderful week. Whoo! Hope to see you soon. Bye. Jesus.